hands down with me. Woo! Wow. Pentecost Sunday. Clay, can you stop crying because you're just going to start me all over again. Does he ever stop? Like he can't. It's just like a tap. Turn it on. In the presence of the Lord. May we never lose our wonder, hey Clay. May we never lose our wonder. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you this morning about it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. Hallelujah. You know, in Pentecost Sunday, we're not just celebrating like, okay, this was the church being baptized in the Holy Spirit. What we're actually celebrating is that it was God coming out to dwell with man again. We'd walked with God in the garden. We'd walked in the garden with God. We'd walked with him. Genesis says that we walked with him in the cool of the day, that he was right there. He was right with us. He spoke with us. He walked with us. He touched us. We saw his face. He communicated with us. We had a conversation with him. And through the fall of man and through sin, God became separated from us. And God himself had to put himself into a box. God had to put himself in a box called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was behind a thick curtain because God is so holy that if anybody then came near God with sin, they would just drop dead. So he had to, he loved us so much. He wanted to be with us so much that God, the God of the whole universe, reduced himself to a box. And so what happens on the day of Pentecost Because Jesus had died, shed his blood for the sins of mankind, paid the ultimate price, rose up to sit at the right hand of the Father. Two of the Godhead had done their work and the third was yet to come. And on the day of Pentecost, we know that Jesus, having died, the curtain was rent in two. And God came out of a box. And God was waiting to come live in man. God was waiting for this specific day when he's out of the box now, but now I want to live in man. Now I want to come and I want to talk with them. I want to commune with them. I want to walk with them in the cool of the day. I want to, I want to tell them how much I love them. I want each one of them to know individually who they are to me. I want them to know I know everything about their lives from, from before they were formed in their mother's womb, the plans that I had for them. I want to come and I want to communicate with them. I want to walk in that same garden again with them. And so he sent the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was released and God came to live in man again. God, the Godhead, the fullness, Jesus is living inside of me. The Father came to live inside of me. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. And now I'm restored and redeemed back to original intent. 
And I've been given permission to come before the Father anytime I want to. I've been given permission to come before the throne of God anytime I want to. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the suggestion of the Holy Spirit, and through the indwelling presence of Jesus, I can speak and I can communicate again. And so it says in Acts 1, 4 to 5, and being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. I'm not talking to you this morning about it's worth the wait. It was worth the wait, but to wait. And he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and it says with fire, not many days from now. He says, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. There's a lot of waiting going on. Amen? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the people who had gone up to the upper room because Jesus had said, now wait, wait for me. Wait until you endure with power. So they went up to an upper room. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about that there were 500 people waiting in an upper room for the promise that the Father had said that he would give them. And I wonder in that time, how many people just got sick of waiting? How many people just got busy? How many people just went, well, I've been waiting so long. You know, this morning, um, Mike Bickle has been running in the States a 24-hour prayer house. This morning, it hit 24 years that they've been doing it for 24 hours. And they began to pray 24 years ago that there would be a massive revival across the earth. And the post this morning says, we still haven't seen the revival that we know is in our hearts, but we will continue to pray until 24 hours a day, 24 years. That's a lot of waiting. But here they are in the upper room. I don't know how long it was. Like it's 50 days, was it, between the day that Jesus died and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit Pentecost was 50 days. So 50 days, I don't know. It's a long time in your life, really. Think about it. Amen? It's a long time. What could you do other than wait for God for 50 days? So I'm sure that there was 500 of them in the upper room, so excited. Oh, you know, God's going to pour out His Spirit. Yes, we're all here. We're all together. And then slowly they just started dwindling off. Oh, you know, I've got, I've got to tend to my cattle. I've got to tend to my sheep. Oh, my daughter's having a baby. My auntie's getting married. Off they went, off they went. Whatever excuse it was, I'm just too tired. He didn't come. He said he was going to come. I've waited 48 days, but he hasn't come. Imagine what it was like for those people that dwindled off because it said it went from 500 people. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about 500 people. And then we get to the book of Acts and there's 120 left. 120 left, there was 500, there's 120. Imagine what those other people felt like when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they missed it. They weren't there. Not that they don't get a chance to get the Holy Spirit. We all do. But who wants to be there when it comes? 
Amen. And just perhaps, just perhaps they just didn't want to wait. You know, I know Phil and I, um, you know, so long ago, the Lord said he was going to pour out his spirit again, didn't he? You know, we were in a massive revival, our church. We were, you know, we were seeing the most miraculous things. We honestly just, we would just get caught up in the glory of God. You know, 9.30 in the morning, even before people come, we'd be two hours under the power of God, under the presence of God, crying in the presence of God. And people would come in and it would just be like, God would just move. It was like there was no order. It was like God was divine order. He would just pick us up in this big glory wave at 9.30 in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he put us all down. And we'd go, oh my gosh, it's 3 o'clock. We haven't even gone to the bathroom or had no one had or had a drink or nothing we were just so caught up in God that we were just like lost in his presence and you know the Lord after two and a half years of doing that the Lord said I'm going to reduce I'm just going to pull back a little I'm just going to pull back a little that was in 19 halfway through 1998 now I'm just going to pull back a little bit and I'm going to keep a deep well within your church. I'm going to keep a deep well there, but get things in order, get some property, get some teams in place, get stuff in order, because when I come again, you're going to be running until Jesus comes back. Do you know how long it is from 1998 to now? 25 years, is it? 25, 25 years. So they've been doing 24, we've done 25, so we beat the 24-hour Anyway, not that it's a competition, but that's a lot of waiting. And in that time, how many times do you think that we've gone, is this really you? Is this not you? You know, should we, you know, there's been times where like, hey, well, you're too old, you're not going to attract people anymore. Maybe you should move aside, all the suggestions that came. And we just went, but God said, see, when you hear, when you hear something from the very mouth of God, when it's so personal that God speaks to you, you cannot be moved. It changes you forever. And it's not like it's a garment you can just take off or, well, let's just do something else with our lives. It's like, no, God spoke to us. God said. God said. And when you get that, that, that personal word from God, it can literally change your life forever. See, the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit was poured out so we could be reconnected with God and actually hear His voice for ourselves. That we didn't have to go through a priest. That we didn't have to you know, beg the priest to go and, and sacrifice for our sins. But this priest came, the one and only priest, Jesus Christ, came and sacrificed himself for us all, for all time. That we could boldly come into the presence of God and hear him speak personal words to us. Because he's a personal God. But so often we're in the garden hiding still. We're still in that place of hiding. We're still in that place of like, don't come near me, God. You don't understand. You don't. And he goes, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, but you don't know how bad I am. You, you don't know what I'm like. Like, how could a holy God come near someone like me? And he says, yeah, that, that's what the blood is for. Through the blood of Jesus. I don't, I don't see your sin. 
I see the blood of Jesus that washes you clean and white as snow. I see that there has been a sacrifice made so I can come and talk to you again. And I long, he says, I long to talk to you. I just long, I long to talk to you. I just want to be near you just like any good father wants to be near his child. I just want to be near you. But you keep pushing back on me. You keep pushing back on me, yet the ultimate price has been paid for us to have this relationship. Amen. I think there's three things we find difficult in this generation. Very difficult. And it's getting worse. Number one is silence. When's the last time you were really silent? I mean silent and awake. (laughs) Most of us aren't even silent when we're asleep. I wasn't last night, I know that. My head was going, mate, sometimes your head just does you in. I had to get up at quarter to four and go, I must just go pray because I'm not getting any sleep. And we're not silent. When's the last time you were silent and awake? I mean, just silent. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Sound of the birds, the wind. When's the last time you heard the wind in the trees? When's the last time you could hear yourself breathing? And you just rested in your breath. <sighs> just breathed and heard yourself. And got, got, got acquainted with who you are in here, in this silent place. The other thing is stillness. When's the last time you were just still? Just still. Silent and still. Wow. Wow. It's almost like we have to take Valium to get there today. But through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit that was poured out, He comes and He brings His peace. He comes and brings His stillness upon us. And then the third thing we're very bad at doing is waiting because we're in such an instant society. I want instant food. I want instant this. I want instant everything. And we're not very good at waiting. God is, I think, introducing these rhythms of life. They're like rhythms of life that we've got out of rhythm. We've gotten into rhythm with the ways of the world where we're being driven and pushed and shoved and noise and stuff, you know. And the only time we can find any peace is put some earphones in and put more noise in our head, you know. Listen to a podcast where you're still noise. You're still not talking to yourself. You're still not connecting within here. What's going on inside of me? Who am I? Where do I fit in this noisy, crazy world? Is there a place of peace where I can find me anywhere? And so I think he's teaching us these rhythms of life. Silence, stillness, waiting, quiet. Whoa. He says here in Psalm 46.10, Be still. Everyone say, be still. You're very still right now, actually. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted above the nations. Be still and know that I am God. That's what I had to get up this morning, quarter to four, and go into my prayer room. I had to get still before God because my head wouldn't shut off. And I just had to get still before God and, I, and, and then he, he comes. Oh, that's right. You're God and I'm not. (laughs) That's right. Be still and know that I am God. 
and I will be exalted above the nations. I can solve all your problems. Guess what? I'm up here. You're down there. I'm above it all. Come up here with me and let's look at things from a different perspective. Amen. Be still and know that I am God. I'm telling you, I, I, I've been learning these things lately, this stillness, because even myself, for me to really press into God, I need music. And, and it's like music gets me to that place. And so I said to the Lord, I really want to be still and quiet with you. Why do I always need music even? You know, obviously we worship to get into the presence of the Lord. But, you know, why is it as soon as I turn the music off, I can't hear God? And he just, he took me right back to a place when I was a child. And, you know, there was not much peace in the house that I lived in. But the only time that I I had these really beautiful memories was when there was music in our house. Because no one was fighting when mum was singing or no one was fighting when the stereo was on full blast and there was, you know, beautiful music coming out. And, and, you, you know, the times where, you know, Dad may have been drinking a bit, but at least he would just come and get me out of bed. And he would say, Jules, come and listen to this. And we just lay on the carpet together. He'd blast this classical, Liberace it was. It was Liberace. It was so beautiful. And we, he'd just lay there and he'd hold my hand. He'd say, just be quiet and listen. And it was like the sound of this music would take me to another space. And it was a space where I was happy and I was safe. And so music to me became my safe place. And the Lord started to say to me, you know, you can be safe with me without music even. It was just a really amazing moment, you know, just last week. And I just started to weep. And I said, I'm so sorry, Lord, that even I've used music to sort of, you know, get me to that place, but actually I don't need anything. You're here. You're with me right now in the silence. You're there. You're right there with me. Amen. And so waiting upon the Lord has these unfathomable benefits. It's just, you cannot fathom the benefits that come from waiting on the Lord. I, 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 when I wait with the Lord, it's like I get it ties in with revelation. It ties in with all of a sudden I'm starting to understand myself. I'm understanding the world that I live in. I'm understanding his relationship to me. I'm understanding how to be a better human, how to be a better mother, how to be a better grandmother, how to be a better wife. I'm understanding. I'm coming to peace with myself because in this place of stillness with him, I'm, I'm, I'm getting these benefits that are just pouring out on me. You can't look at the face of God. You can't be in the presence of Jesus without changing you, without it doing something on the inside of you that benefits his kingdom because he's always transforming us from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into his image. And the more that we look at him, the more that we behold him, the more that we can just stop and, and, just, and just be there, the more that he changes us. Amen, into his image. Especially in this day when everything's so noisy and busy. At some time, there's got to be a moment where we unlock this immense blessing that comes from true union with the Godhead. Amen. We've got to unlock it. If we want to 
travel through this era that we're living in on earth right now where so much is going on around us, so much is going on with our families, with our kids, in the schools. I mean, I'm just, I just cannot, I said to one of the mums this morning, I am so glad, really, that I'm not a mother in this day. I mean, I'm a grandmother, I still, but I just, I, I think of the kids, what they go through it. And what they're at school and what the things they're seeing and the things that they're hearing. And it's just like, oh, God, please protect the little children. And that's why it's so important for us to be like little children. Because unless we're like little children, we cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. So he's so desperate. He's so desperate to meet with us. And this morning I'm praying that there will be a supernatural grace for us to be still and connect with Jesus. And I'm going to take you through a little exercise later on to help you, things that have helped me and things that I've learned. Amen? Because, you know, we need tools. Who knows that? So, you know, I can stand up here every week and say, you need to be with Jesus more. You need to spend more time with Jesus. You need to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Well, how do I do that? So I want to give you some tools and maybe just share some of my my experiences with you and hopefully it would help you. Amen. Thank you. The Bible says this, the Lord is good. This is in Lamentations 3.25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So we've got nothing to lose if we're waiting on God, what have we got to lose? If he's going to be good to me, if, if, if the Bible promises me, if I just make this time, if I just can open myself up, that he is going to be good to me and that, and that he, he is good to those, to the soul who seeks him. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Psalm 21, one says, 62, one says, truly, my soul silently waits for God, for from Him comes my salvation. We've got to get this peace inside of us, guys. We've got to be the thing that's different in this crazy world. You know, sometimes our, our, our self-esteem is so low. Like, you show me an Australian person, whether you've come from another nation or not, you've landed in this nation, you come under the spirit over this nation, and the spirit over this nation is rejection. Every nation has its own territorial spirit. What do you think it is in America? Pride. And they have to overcome that spirit, right? And you go to other nations, there's different, different spirits over different nations. You know, over Asian countries, idol worship. They have to overcome the idol worship. But in Australia, our greatest stronghold that we have to overcome is rejection. Put up your hand this morning if you don't have any rejection in your life. No one. We all have it. And so this is what stops us from getting near God. Because we think, well, I'll just reject him before he rejects me. I'll just reject him before he rejects me. You know, we, we, had, we had five children in our family growing up and, you know, we didn't have enough money to feed the five. But my mum fell in love with this little foster child, this little child, deaf, deaf little boy, three years old. She just fell in love with him and she said, I'm bringing him home. We've got a brother coming home. 
And he was just like so damaged, this kid. Um, he's still my brother today, by the way. He's in his, I don't know, 50 now. But he was so damaged, this kid, by what had been done to him and the rejection in his family and so forth. I won't go into the things that he suffered. But his hair fell out when he was 18 months old from the abuse that he suffered, just from stress at an 18-month-old. Then he got meningitis and he went deaf and so he didn't understand a silent world when he'd had a hearing world. And so, you know, but you know what? No matter how much love we poured out on him, because we, we were a loving family. We did love well. And my mom was the most loving person you'd ever meet in your life. And I know she's in heaven right now pouring love out on us in the great cloud of witnesses. But we just poured love out on him year after year after year. You know, he, we, we begged him that we could adopt him as he got older. We, we did everything we could. But there was so much rejection on this kid that there's no way. And you know, to this day, I cannot visit my own brother because the rejection is so strong that he will try and kill me. It affected his mind that strongly that he would, he would be dangerous for me to mix with him now. It's so sad. And all he had to do was receive the love. But how many of us are like that with God? I'm like that with God sometimes. Like, you know, last, you know, yesterday I was just on my face yesterday morning before I just laid out on the floor in my, in my upper room, in my prayer room. I just laid on the floor and I just said, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever you've got to deal with in me, I just want you. And I want everything that you have for me. And I want to be everything you've created me to be before all this stuff got put on top of me and changed me. I want to be the original. Lord, deal with it. Take it. I don't care. All of it. Change me. I'll cry and I'll cry and I'll cry and I'll cry out to you until it's all done, until I feel like we're one. The more that I'm one with him, the more that I get rid of the stuff that blocks me, the more that we are one. And I can truly put my hand on heart and say, you are in me and I am in you and we are one. We are one. The oneness gets bigger inside of you. The more that you let him in, the oneness gets bigger inside of you. And the self gets smaller. The self gets smaller. The voices get less loud. They get silenced. The demons flee. The pain is healed as he comes. Amen. It says this. But I am poor and needy. It says in Psalm 40:17. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks upon me. Even if he can't get near us to talk to us, he's thinking about us. And we feel so poor and needy that we can't come near him, but he's still thinking about us. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. And it says in Psalm 25:3, indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. You know, sometimes we're just scared to wait on him because we think, what's he gonna say? Will I be ashamed? Will I need to hide? Will I need fig leaves? You know, but the scriptures clearly tell us that we can be transparent before God because of the blood of Jesus. 
that I can be physically, spiritually, emotionally transparent with my God and with some with each other because of the blood of Jesus. I will never be ashamed. He will never shame you. He never shames you. That's the devil. The God doesn't shame you. God calls you and loves you and loves you back to life. Amen. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 37:7. I love this in Isaiah 30 and 18. Do you know it says that the Lord he is waiting for you. Therefore the Lord will wait. Therefore he will wait. You know, we just don't feel like we can wait on him, but he still waits for us. Well, you won't come to me, therefore I'll wait. I'll just wait. I'll just wait until you're ready. I'll just wait. Even though it's all been done, the price has been paid, I'll just wait. And he waits what for? That he might be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Blessed are those who wait for him. Blessed, not ashamed, not withdrawn, not frightened. Blessed. Isaiah 40, famous scripture, 7 to 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over by God? Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, never faints and he's never weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. That word mount up there means to ascend. They shall ascend with wings like eagles. They'll get up to where they're supposed to be, where we're seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus Christ in the spirit realm. They'll come up from where they are right now. We'll get get away from this ground level warfare, this dust earth, and we'll shake the dust off our shoes and we'll go up and we'll ascend with him. He wants to take us up into a different realm. He wants to take us up where we see a different perspective of who we are and what we are called to do and what our lives are significant for. They shall mount up. They shall ascend with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'll tell you one thing. I've noticed since I've been actually allowing the Lord to ascend me and take me and be with me and take me into realms where he lives rather than living in the realms where I live, where I'm going more into the unseen realm than the seen realm, I feel like I'm getting younger. No joke. I do. 
I feel like I'm getting healthier. I'm being healed in his presence. Amen. I got a report from the doctor the other day. They have no idea why I'm slowly losing my sight in this eye and it's getting worse. And there's nothing we can do for you. There's no medicine. There's nothing we can do for you. Oh, okay. Then I know what it is then. Okay. Because what do you do to the eyes of a prophet? Take their eyes out. Okay, so I'm going to go into the Lord's presence and I'm going to ascend with him until our perfect 2020 vision. Amen? I'm going to bow my knee to that. So I'm going to go up. I'm going to ask him to lay hands on my eyes. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to ask him to release whatever it is that's eating away at the back of my eye in the name of Jesus because there's no medical reason for it. Hallelujah. You know, okay, so we're coming into this little little tools that I want to give you. Okay, let me say this to you. Hebrews 13.5 says that God himself says, and Jesus said too, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Anybody believe that? Is the word of God true? So if he'll never leave you and he will never forsake you, where is he right now? Where? Here. Where is he when you go to the shop? Where is he when you're driving your car? Where is he when you're eating a meal? He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. So I got a hold of that. I thought, well, if he never leaves me and never forsakes me, he must be present everywhere all the time. He must be. When I was saved and I saw the face of Jesus, that's how I was saved. He came into my room and he showed himself to me. And I looked into those beautiful eyes and he just drew me in with love. If you saw him, if you saw him, honestly, the way he is, you would never, ever want to run away. You just want to be, you just want to be immersed into him. You, you just want to be enfolded into him. You just want to look at those eyes and say, suck me into those eyes. Just let me be in you and you be in me because I want that. But he showed me this whole video of my life when I saw him. And I saw all these scenes of my life where certain things had happened through my life. And he wasn't standing judging or he was in every single scene holding me, cuddling me, hiding my eyes, fighting for me. He was there. And he said to me, I was there, 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 I was I've always been there. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That was my salvation. So it was deep inside me, this thing that he's never going to leave me. He's everywhere. It doesn't matter what I'm going through or what I've done or what's been done to me. He will not leave me. He's there in every situation. Amen? So if, if we can train ourselves to sense his presence and practice quieting the noise from the outside and the noise inside our heads, it's probably the hardest part, that we might just connect with him in a new, whole and personal way. After all, we've established that he's right here, yeah? 
waiting to have a conversation with you, waiting to ignite in you a revelation of his love. You know, we're never, we are never going to understand the fullness of his love. It's going to take us all of eternity and we still won't know. Every, every day in eternity, we're going to be going, oh my goodness, his love, it just blows me away. It's just too big. It's much bigger than your sin. It's much bigger than your fear. It's much bigger than your self-esteem. It's much bigger than your past, your present, and your future. His love is everywhere. And it changes us. Amen? It's the love of God that's going to change this world. Not great preaching. Not great events. Not even signs and wonders, really. It's when people get a revelation that this God knows me and he's a personal God and he loves me, everything about me. The the gentleman with the denim jacket right there, yeah, you, yeah, I, like the lights from my eyes. I can't see you very well. I can see the outline of your hair and your denim jacket. You know, I, this morning I was just walking up to the back to get my microphone on and the Lord said, look. And my eyes went straight to the back of your head and the Lord said, I've been chasing him. I've been chasing him down his whole life. And if he just knew how much I loved him right now, that's like there's no one else in this room. It was like God's eyes were focused on you right at that moment. And he just said, Julie, tell him I love him. And I know that's not a profound prophetic word, but it's so profound. It's so profound. That if you would know the depth of his love for you, you're going to break out of this cage that you've been held in, this restriction. You know, there's a creativity inside of you that's so beautiful and he's anointed you with so much creativity. And there's colors. You always color outside the lines and people don't get that. But God gets it because he made you like that. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. You know, when I first started to just try and quieten myself down and like without the music, like I would play music and get into the presence of God and then I go, okay, I'm going to do this without music. I don't need to rely on old childhood habits. You know, I just need to find God in the stillness. And when I first started to drink, my mind was just like, and you just reel it in, boom. And then it goes, reel it, boom. You know, it's just like, it's, it is a battle. And Pastor Phil spoke on that last week, the battle of the mind. It is a battle. But you know, if we keep practicing, we're going to get good at this. It's not like instantly, but we're going to keep practicing. Amen. And it was like, I just kept reeling my head back in and I kept breathing. You know, breathe, breath is a great thing to get still. as you breathe out, you just let go of all your muscles and and just get still. And one day I was just doing that and my head got quiet and I just went, and it was like, it's like I hit this space of stillness. I just, I hit it. And then, and then a wind came in and took me higher. And it was like, I've done it. I know what it feels like. Once you know what something feels like, it's like you know how to go there next time. Do you know what I mean? Isn't it? Isn't that right, Gail? Like when you first played a wind 
instrument, it didn't sound like a wind instrument, did it? But once you hit that, you went, oh, I know what that sounds like now. I can go there next time because I know what it's supposed to sound like. And this was what this was like for me. I just go, wow, this is cool. This is so good. This wind keeps taking me higher. It says in Psalm 130 verse 6, my soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch the morning. Yes, more than those who watch the morning. I find it's just so much easier to get get that stillness in the morning. Like get up an hour earlier, two hours. I got up a quarter to four this morning. I just had to be there with him. Amen. And I'm not tired, right? Because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. You think, oh, no, an extra hour of sleep will do me good. No, it won't. Not if you're denying an hour with the Lord that will give you strength, renew your mind, and change you forever. Amen? So I find the mornings easier. By the night, we're dead. We're done. There's too much going on in our head. As soon as I tasted the experience, I wanted more, Right? The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Then he began to speak into the deepest parts of me. And he began to change me. He began to pour out so much peace on me. When I found that still space and when I learned to just catch the wind and go higher, all of a sudden he's talking to me and he's changing me in his presence. It's just so beautiful. And we have access to this, every one of us. And so how did I know it was Jesus speaking to me when I heard a lot of people say that? Okay, I get still and then how do I know it's Jesus speaking to me and not just my own thoughts? You know, a lot of the time his voice will sound like your own thoughts. But when you hear something and it's so crystal clear and it's like he speaks something to you that hits something so deep inside of you that he's actually unlocked something you didn't even know was there. You know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus just spoke to me. Amen. You feel alive. You feel great. He's here. Hallelujah. And as I began to do that, still the wind took me higher. So, I've discovered some easy steps to connecting simply by using childlike faith, like that song we just sang then. May we never lose our wonder, hey? Wide-eyed and mystified. May we be just like a child, staring at the beauty of our King. Can we just like be like children? Just put aside all your adult excuses, all your adult ways, all your arguments in your head, why not? And just be like a child and come into his presence. So, as I said before, he never leaves us or forsakes us, right? So that means he's here with us right now. So I get myself into a, a, worshipful, a worshipful space. Like I said just then, I might play some worship music first. So I'm in the realm of God. And then, and then I just begin to breathe. I begin to use breath to just slow everything right down. And once I've slowed everything down, I just ask the question and I say it out loud. Jesus, where are you in this room? Because we just said he never leaves us or forsakes us, right? And I know he's inside of us, but he's also outside of us. So where are you in this room right now, Jesus? Where are you? And the first thing that comes to my mind, I don't try and think about it. I don't go, hmm. You know, and try it, try it. It's just being like a child. Where are you in this room? And I get an impression, oh, you're there. 
I can feel a presence there with my eyes shut. And then I, I want to look any further and I, I say, Jesus, could you come closer to me? And then he may take another position because I've invited him in. He may be standing there to the side, which he usually is with me. And then I say, Jesus, can you come closer? And then he might just come and sit on the edge of the couch where I'm sitting. He might put his hand on my shoulder. And then you just start crying. That's just when you start. That's when you lose it. That's just like, oh, my God, Jesus is touching me in my house. I'm not in the middle of a worship set at church. And I'm not in the middle of a revival meeting. Jesus is touching me in my house. Amen. And then I start to look at him. What does he look like? What color is his hair? What's he wearing? You know, I want to familiarize myself with him because, you know, he appears in different ways in different conversations that he wants to have with you. So I look at him and I see what does he look like. And then I ask him this question, Jesus, what is one thing that you love about me? And this one undoes you. And you just hear the first thing that comes to your mind. Because you wouldn't say to yourself, oh, I love the way you. Because you're not going to say that to yourself. Because we're so full of rejection. We're not going to say anything nice about ourselves. Is that right? So Jesus says, I love the way you are. He says something in response to that. And then I'm crying again. Because I just go, oh my gosh, he knows me. And he loves that about me. I didn't even know he loved that about me. And then I just say, Jesus, what do you want to talk about today? What conversation are we going to have? And I open myself up for conversation. Okay, so this is an easy way. We're going to go through it in a minute to connect with Jesus. But on Friday night, I tested it out on some of the young people. So just come here, guys. One, two, three. And, um, and they're going to tell you what it was like for them. Yeah. One of the, one of the uh, young people, Hannah, she's not here today. At first I said, okay, just close your eyes, breathe, and just ask Jesus, where are you in the room? And Hannah um, said, I can't see him. And I said, oh, well, he's here, Hannah. So just close your eyes again and breathe. And while we're talking with other ones, just wait on him. And so we came back around to her again. I said, where is Jesus in the room, Hannah? She said, I saw him. Yeah, I did see him. And he was right there. I said, what did he look like? And she said, he was like frequencies. His whole body looked like frequencies. And his voice sounded like a bell. And that's when I knew that she's so creative that she's going to hear him through, you know, music and frequencies. That's how she's going to hear him. It was so beautiful. And so I asked you guys, right? And it's like, was it a bit weird at first? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. And I think Hannah said, I feel like I'm in a therapy session. That's what Hannah said. <laughs> supposed to be a youth meeting. We're in a therapy session. But, but it was good because how better can we do for our young people than teach them how to hear God and speak to God themselves? But what I love about these guys, they're so innocent. They just went, yeah, sure, let's just go there. Okay. And so you, you saw Jesus. Where did you see him first? Um, so I closed my eyes and almost immediately I felt like like him land right in front of me. I felt it in my heart and I almost went like that because I was like, whoa. It was, yeah, it was right in my heart. So it was right in front of me. And I think for me, it was definitely more of like a light. He was wearing just one plain white, um, like 
what are they called? Clothes? Gown. Gowns. And it was just really like glowing white. And he just had like, like brown hair, but that's all I could really see. And then I asked him what he loved about me. And I'm the first thing that came to my head. Well, it was like, at first I was trying to think, like, I was like trying to think and I was like trying to like go through all these things in my head and I couldn't really think of anything. Then all of a sudden, like the words, my heart just came to me and I was, and then I started like reflecting on it and it came more clear that he liked my heart for outcasts in society and people that don't fit into the cliques and all that type of stuff. So he liked that thing about me. But yeah, it was very good. And then I asked you again, didn't I? And you saw him again. Yeah, and then we I saw him again. had another go. We thought we'd try it again and see. Yeah, and then the second time he was behind me with his hands on my shoulder and my shoulders. And um, the second time he told me he liked who I was becoming as well um, as a person. That's so good. So, yeah. Micah, I mean, it's unusual for a 14-year-old boy to sit still long enough to hear God, but you you did it. You're amazing. So so where was he for you? Yeah, well, so I first saw him kind of like in the middle of the room. Yeah. And then, then we asked him to come closer. Yeah. yeah, and the second time we asked, well, Julie asked for um, him to come closer. I then found him like right behind me, kind of like almost like inside me. It kind of felt weird, but yeah, I also imagined him being like really tall, like something like 10 feet or something. And he was like glowing, his like face was glowing, like wearing like a long white robe. And he had like, for me, he had like long blonde hair. Um, but yeah, so Julie also asked us a question. She said like, what, why does, well, like, why does like Jesus love you? Like, just think about it. You kind of have to close your eyes and block out any distractions and the two words he told me, he said I was like courageous and another one was like strong hearted. It was like the first thing that comes to my head. So yeah, Beautiful. it was pretty cool. How did it make you feel when he said that? Um, it just made me feel that I was loved by Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And that he could see you because he said something different to you than he said to anybody else, didn't he? Yeah. Like that was personal to you. And did you feel like you needed to know that you were courageous? Yeah, I did. I thought it was kind of special that he said that. It's kind of unique as well mm. through the group. So, so good. Amen. Micah. Amen. Eva. Um, for me... So this is Eva. Hi, everyone. Um, for me, I the first time I saw him... He was sitting next to me in the chair that was available. Um, and he was wearing all white and his hair was really, really, really dark brown. Um, and there was just like all light surrounding him in the background and I couldn't really see any detail on his face or anything. And then I asked him what he loved about me and the first word that I heard was guidance. And then we had a bit of a discussion about it and Julie reminded me what she had said to me previous weeks at church about that exact word and then the second time um he was I felt like an overwhelming presence behind my left shoulder and the second word he said to me was perseverance and that was really relatable for me and it was really touching and it was just incredible it was an incredible experience and I didn't know that it could be that easy to have a conversation with God um 
and to see him and for me to know that he loves me and that he's with me. So that was really incredible. That's so good. Let's give these guys a hand. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I love what she said. I didn't know it would be that easy for me to have a conversation with God. So just right where you're sitting right now, just close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now just focus your thoughts upon him. Just come in, just try and shut out all the distractions around you. Nobody, nobody moving, even those distractions. Thank you, Jesus. Now just begin to breathe. Just begin to breathe. Just breathe in and then breathe out. Breathe in again. And just let go of everything. As you breathe out, just let go of everything. Shake your shoulders. Let your legs go. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now ask the question out loud. Jesus, where are you in the room? And just the first impression. How do we test the spirit if it's God? Yeah, you look at his face. The best way to test the spirit is if it's God. When you see Jesus, where he is, the room, just say, Jesus, show me your face. So just close your eyes. Okay, thank you. Just close your eyes. You can talk to me later about it. Thank you, Jesus. Just close your eyes. Just come back into that place of peace. Jesus, where are you in the room? Now, when you feel where he is in the room, ask him, will you come closer to me? Thank you, Jesus. Now, just look at his face. Look at his eyes. Are his eyes kind? What is he wearing? And as you ask him to come closer, just see if he's sitting next to you or if he's come close or if he's put a hand on you or he's holding your face. And then just ask him the question, Jesus, what do you love about me? And just hear the first thing that comes into your mind. Thank you, 
know, maybe you didn't feel him or sense him this first time. But just practice it. Practice his presence. He promised that his presence would be with us, that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us, that his presence would go with us. If the presence of God went with Moses, how much more will he be with us through the blood of Jesus Christ? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So just remember those things. Breathing, getting in his presence. Jesus, where are you in this room? Or if you're in the car or at a beach, where are you in this space? When you see him and sense him through the eyes of your heart, through your eyes of your spirit, your spirit sees in an unseen realm. Then say, Jesus, would you come closer to me? Because he wants an invitation to come close. And then ask him the question, Jesus, what do you love about me? And he can tell you something that he loves about you every day and you'll still never get to the end of it. And then once you're comfortable with that space and you're starting to hear his voice, just so like that, then you can say to him, Jesus, what do you want to talk about today? What's on your mind? Because a conversation with Jesus isn't just about you talking. It's about you listening as well. And sometimes there's things he wants to say to us and we're so busy praying through our list that we never stop to listen. He wants to let you know that you are special, that you are loved, and that your Father in heaven watches over you and is with you at all times. And there's nothing that can separate you from his love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe we could just bring the team back up. We'll stand to our feet. We're just going to sing that song again. May we never lose our wonder. Thank you, Jesus. Just a couple of times through, and as we're singing it, just invite him to come closer. Jesus.